0: Do you ever feel like your bones are getting dry? Well, there's good news for you today. The Valley of Dry Bones from Ezekiel chapter 37. God is able to raise up dry old bones. Praise God for that. Ezekiel 37 beginning at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley And it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews came on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, And cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened my graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land. then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, encouraging, uh, powerful example of what you are able to do, your word and your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would do your work in our midst this morning, that we would hear and believe and trust and live as your word, O God, is proclaimed to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've ever taken a human anatomy class, you probably had a skeleton in the room. Hopefully not a skeleton in the closet, but a skeleton in the room. A skeleton model is a great way to understand how the human body stays together, right? Much better than just a picture on a page, a one-dimensional picture on a page. There you have, standing before you, what our body looks like as far as its skeletal system is concerned. But something strange often happens in an anatomy class. Students begin to act as though the skeleton is alive. They give it a name. They talk to it. For some, it becomes like their friend. But it can't move on its own. It never talks back, which teachers probably love. Um, It can't move because it isn't alive. When I confirmed that this morning, I went to the biology classroom. And I said hello to our friendly skeleton there. And when I reached out and shook his hand, I noticed he has had a lot of surgeries because he's got pins in his... I felt sorry for him. And I was going to preach to him, but I was afraid that people who were practicing uh, singing in here might call 911 and say, you better come and take our pastor away. I think he's, I thought he was losing it. No, I think he's lost it. He's he's talking to, to skeletons. Well, in Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel is given a vision of a valley that is filled with, a lot of bones, very many bones and very dry bones. And, and yet he's told, I want you to preach to these bones. Here's the word of the Lord. And as he preached to those bones, some, something amazing happened. And the Spirit of God came into that body that was raised through the preaching of his word. And God did a, a marvelous thing. Can you imagine what would happen if that, if that took place in one of our biology classrooms where that model skeleton came to life and began to, to speak? That would be really interesting. Well, this vision that Ezekiel saw uh, teaches some important things about ministry. I want to look at it from that perspective, from the perspective of, of Ezekiel and what he was called to do. And the first thing we notice is that the place of ministry is in the valley of need. The place of ministry is in the valley of need. If Ezekiel could have chosen where he wanted to proclaim God's Word, what do you think he would have done? Would he have chosen the place that God chose for him? I highly doubt it. (laughs) Who would want to minister in the valley like Ezekiel was shown in this Vision. It wasn't the kind of place that a prophet dreams about, unless it's a nightmare, right? Just like, oh no, you're sending me there? But that's where God sent him, and it's very clear that this was God's plan. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and I love this, he set me down. <laughs> God put him right in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And we could say all kinds of things about that valley. Yeah, pretty dead, right? Yeah, Like some churches, I suppose. It wasn't a very exciting place to serve, but that's where God placed him because that's where God wanted to use him. The need there was great. And that's what made the opportunity for ministry to be great. Now, Sometimes when we're in a situation where it seems just like it's dead, there's problems there's an opportunity for God to work, right? When His Word is proclaimed, God can create life where there's death. And only He can do that. The Apostle Peter, I think, needed to understand this. Remember when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and he's saying, Oh, Lord, this is awesome, right? This is wonderful. Let's just make three tabernacles. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And Luke, in his accounts, adds this phrase, not realizing what he was saying. ever <laughs> uh, describe you or me? We make statements like we don't really know what we're saying. Well, then in verse 37 of Luke 9, it says, On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. And a man from the crowd shouted, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is only a boy. And a spirit seizes him, and suddenly he suddenly screams. And it throws him into a convulsion with foaming at the mouth, and only with difficulty does it leave him, mauling him as it leaves. So Peter needed to see that as wonderful as it was, To be on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there are times when maybe a worship service, we feel like we're on the Mount of Transfiguration. We can't stay here forever, right? There are needs in the valley. And when they came down from the mountain, there was this father and son with a great need. And I'm sure from their perspective, they were thinking, it is good that you're here. (laughs) It is good for you, Jesus, to be here. Because there was a great need in the life of that family. When Ezekiel was brought into the valley, God made sure that he understood just how bad it was there. (laughs) Verse 2, He caused me to pass among the bones, round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. Uh, Christopher Wright in his commentary says, As a priest, Ezekiel was not allowed to touch a human corpse. Yet here the hand of God actually takes him for a walk to and fro through the grisly scene until he can see for himself two things about these bones. First, there were a great many of them. And second, they were very dry. He goes on to say, "...these were not recently slain corpses, but the dry bones of people long dead. Scavenging animals and birds have done their job, and the sun has baked and bleached them. Not only is there no trace of life, there is no trace of the recognizable individuals they once were on this earth. Just dry bones in a valley." What a desperate situation. And what a place for ministry. huh? The desperate situation was God's place for ministry. I think there's two reasons why God wanted Ezekiel to see just how bad it was. First of all, he needed to know the importance of his ministry. He needed to know how much the Word of God was needed in that valley. So God made it very clear to him just how important it was that he be there. But Ezekiel also needed to know just how dependent he was upon the Lord. Only God could take a pile of dry bones and make life out of it. In his own human strength, Ezekiel could do absolutely nothing. (laughs) Nothing. And he needed to recognize that. And if you're in some ministry, and I hope you're in some ministry, you need to recognize that you and I are helpless. God must do the work. We need Him desperately in our own strength. We cannot do it. And Ezekiel needed to recognize that. And I'm sure he got the point. I'm sure he got the point. And it was important that he did, because the first step, the first step in ministry is to realize how much you need the Lord. If you approach whatever ministry you're involved in and you say, I got this, look out, look out. We have a desperate need for the Lord because we are in a place of a desperate need, aren't we? Does this picture make sense to you that we are in the midst of a valley of dead bones? Lack of spiritual life? Lack of a living relationship with God? He's placed us here, right? We are here for a reason. The place of ministry is the valley of need. The second thing we learn, the plan for ministry is to preach and to pray. (laughs) To proclaim the word and to pray. I find it interesting, after uh, showing Ezekiel all these bones scattered throughout the valley, uh, God asked him a question. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> I love that. Ezekiel, now that you've seen how bad it is, can these bones live? What would you say if you were Ezekiel? Can these bones live? One author says, there you are standing in the middle of the biggest accumulation of the deadest bones you can imagine, stretching as far as your eye can see. (laughs) And then God asks you, what do you think? Could these bones come back to life? He says the question seems absurd. And the answer is surely self-evident. Right? From a human perspective, if you were asked that question, "Can these bones live?" What would you say? Well, of course not. They're just bones scattered all over the place. I don't even know which bone connects to which, which which hip bone connects to which knee bone or whatever. Right? I mean, how would how would you answer that? So most of us would probably have said, or maybe not said, or at least thought. Uh, Lord, there's no way that these dry bones would come to life. But being a prophet, Ezekiel, he didn't question the power of God because that wouldn't have been good. Like, well, no, Lord, they can't live. And he had seen, right, he had seen or at least read or heard about some resurrections that God performed through the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. But this was different. The ones who were raised from the dead through the ministry of Elijah and Elisha had just recently died, right? Their bodies had not decomposed. But the dry bones in the valley belonged to those who had been dead for a long time. So in what possible way could they live again? And yet, what does Ezekiel say? Oh, Lord God, you know. That's a safe answer, right? Rather than saying absolutely they could live. The safe answer is, Lord, you know. You know, right? In other words, Lord, if you want to give these bones life, you can do it. And that's exactly what the Lord planned to do. By His mighty power, these bones could and would come to life. And so God told Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. There's two things. First of all, I want you to preach to these bones. Now, prior to this time, Ezekiel was called to preach to a very difficult people. In chapter 3, here's what the Lord said, verse 4 Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel nor to many peoples of unintelligible speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand. But I've sent you to them who should listen to you. Yet, the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you since they're not willing to listen to me. Surely, the house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as theirs. And your forehead as hard as their foreheads. So, the people he had preached to previously were stubborn, they were obstinate, they had hard faces and hard foreheads, but at least they were alive. (laughs) At least they were breathing. Here, the audience, if you can call it that, is much different. Ezekiel is asked to preach to a bunch of bones. Verse 4, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you will come to life. And I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin and breathe into you. That you may become alive and you will know that I'm the Lord. Now, some of you are probably thinking that it would be a little strange, wouldn't it, to preach to dead bones. Imagine that. just there's your, there's your congregation. A pile of dead bones in a valley and you start preaching to those dead bones. Seem a little strange? But you know what? If you think of it, it really isn't that strange. Because it is a picture... It is a picture of what it's like when we preach the Word of God to those who don't know Jesus. They're dead, right? They are spiritually dead. And they have no desire or no ability in themselves to come to life. As Paul says in Ephesians 2:1. they are dead in their trespasses and sins. So maybe preaching to dead bones is a pretty good picture of what it's like to proclaim the Word of God to those who don't know Jesus. They are dead. Dead as a doornail, as some would describe it. No spiritual life. But we know, don't we, that there is power in the Word of God. We believe that, don't we? That the Word of God is living. It is active. It is life-giving. It is life-sustaining. And when we proclaim the Word of God, something happens. Sometimes you can hear it. Sometimes you can see it, right? Sometimes you can't always see it, but you know what we read from Isaiah 55, that God's Word does not return to Him empty. It accomplishes His purpose. So Ezekiel... Verse 7, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. So Ezekiel is witnessing with his own eyes what the Word of God can do. The living Word of the living God invaded the valley of the shadow of death, right? Isn't that wonderful? This was a dead place. But when the Word of God came, things started to happen. When we lived out in North Dakota, our first congregation years ago, I met a pastor. He said there was a couple that came to him Unsaved couple that was having trouble in their marriage. And they wanted to have some counseling. And he said, I will meet with you if you come to church for six months, every Sunday. And after six months, then ask me again. Well, guess what happened? That couple that did not know Jesus came to know Jesus. They were spiritually dead and they experienced spiritual life and at the end of six months, they never came back to ask Him because God had done a wonderful work of transformation in their lives, right? The preaching of the Word. They get under the preaching of the Word and God did something wonderful in their lives. Those dead bones came to life. So, Ezekiel, I want you to preach. Preach to these bones. And then he says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray to the breath, it says. Even though the dry bones came together, the tendons and the flesh and the skin appeared on them, verse 8 says that there was no breath in them. These bodies had no life. So notice what God told him to do. Verse 9. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as He commanded me, and breath came into them, and they came to life, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. What we see here is prayer To the Holy Spirit to come and give life to those who were dead. So through the Word of God and the breath of the Holy Spirit, dry bones come to life. And this is why I believe it is vital that we pray when we share the Word of God, right? We proclaim the Word and we pray that God will take that word, that by His Spirit He will use that word to convict of sin, to point to Jesus, those two always go hand in hand. When you preach, you pray that God will use that word. My father used to say, there is no power in the pulpit unless there's prayer in the pew, he used to say. (laughs) Pastor Ken Penty, remember him? He was evangelist for the AFLC many years ago. He said, you pray for me. I need the prayer and you need the practice, he said. So pray for me. That God will take that word and that God will use it. I remember reading about, I believe it was Spurgeon's church, Charles Spurgeon's church. Someone came to visit and they were showing him around the church. And then he said, do you you want to see the power plant? He thought he was taking him down to the, the furnace room. Oh no, it wasn't the furnace room. They opened the door and there were a hundred people in there praying. He says, there's there's the power plant. It wasn't just one man, Charles Spurgeon, preaching the Word. It was proclamation and prayer and they go together. They must go together. And so we see that here. And it's interesting when you think of these bodies that needed breath, doesn't it remind us of creation? Back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Very similar. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. So if God could create man from the dust of the ground and breathe life into him, he could take bones and breathe life into them. He can take those who are dead in their trespasses and sins and and bring life. So Ezekiel, you preach and you pray that the breath of God will come into these, these bones. Now, we're given in the text how this is fulfilled. There was certainly an immediate fulfillment with the people of Israel. They thought... That they were dead in Babylon, but God would give them life. He would bring them back to their land. Look at verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up, our hope is perished, we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy. And say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'll open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. I'll bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, I will put my Spirit within you. And you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it declares the Lord. So God is saying to the people of Israel, you might think your situation is hopeless. You might think you are dead in Babylon. I'm going to bring you back as if you were dead bones. I'm going to give you life. And I'm going to bring you back. And he did, right? He brought them back to Babylon. I think of the apostles. When Jesus had died, they felt hopeless, right? And Jesus appears to them, and they were hiding for fear of the Jews. And Jesus showed them His hands and His side. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then, verse 22 of of John 20 says, And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I can't help but think that Those men who knew the Old Testament thought, Aha! (laughs) That's been done before, right? God breathed upon the people of Israel. He brought them back to the land. He empowered them. He, He breathed upon them. And they received the Holy Spirit. And today, right, there's hope for you and me because God, by His Spirit, through His Word, gives us life, and the ones to whom we proclaim that word, God takes that word and creates life. And the Spirit of God works through His word. So there's the plan, right? It's a simple plan. It's not complicated. Proclaim the word and pray. Is that complicated? I don't think so. Share the word and pray that God will use it. Let's not make witnessing and proclamation of the word more complicated than it is. That's Satan's uh, tool. Oh, I don't know, you might be asked a question, you won't be able to answer. Oh, they they don't want to hear anyhow. Share the word, it's powerful, and pray that God will use it. So the third lesson we learn here, the purpose, the purpose of ministry is the glory of God. Notice how our text emphasizes this. Verse 5, say to the bones... Or the Lord says, Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, that you may come alive and you will know what? You will know that I am the Lord. Verse 13, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 14, I'll put my spirit within you. And you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have done it. Over and over we see that phrase, that this will be clear, that this is the work of God. And you will know that I am the Lord. I love how Paul describes this truth in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. He says, Who then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. So what are we? Are you and I going to save anyone? No. We're just servants. We just plant. And we water. And sometimes we have the privilege of harvesting. But who is the one that causes the growth? Who is the one that brings life? It's the Lord. And He gets the glory, right? He gets the glory. So do you want to see God glorified? Then wherever he places you, share his word and pray that he will use it. And when God uses it, you give him the glory. All the glory belongs to him. When Robert Moffat went as a missionary to South Africa... The people at Cape Town said that the chief of the tribe that he was going to would use his skull for a drinking cup. Now that's encouraging, isn't it? God bless you, you know. You might not live through this. Your skull's going to become a a drinking cup. But Moffat went. He trusted God that that's where the Lord wanted him to go. And guess who was the first convert It was that chief of that tribe. And people, when they saw what happened to him, they said, what a miracle. This is the eighth wonder of the world. That's what God does, right? God accomplishes things that cause us to say, wow, (laughs) how awesome you are. Wouldn't you love to see the eighth wonder of the world? Someone you're praying for, someone you're witnessing to, that you think that this guy is deader than dead. This guy is just very dry bones. But I'll tell you what. Maybe you think someone's a hard nut to crack, but someone says God is in the nut-cracking business, right? He is able to change hearts and lives. So let me ask you, are there any bones where you live? Are you in a valley that just looks like there's deadness everywhere? Well, preach to those bones. Pray that God will bring life. And when he does, give him the glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word For the power of your word, the power of the gospel unto salvation for those who believe. And Lord, would you awaken us to the need around us? Would you use us to proclaim your word? And even if people don't say they don't believe the Bible, (laughs) that still doesn't matter. We share the word. And Father, you can use that in wonderful ways to accomplish your purpose. And we pray that you will do that, that you will take, Father, the word that we have the privilege of proclaiming even in our worship services and use the the word that we share in the neighborhood, on the job, wherever you place us, Lord. Help us to see those open doors to point others to you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.